Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 272 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Kim Tubbs. Kim lives in Capel, Texas, and she is a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. She also was on Life Lessons, episode number 92, which was in August of 2022, and she is the author of Lavi's Rainy Day. Welcome, Kim. Hi. Did I pronounce all those things right? You oh, did. You did great. <laughs> I try, but then when I start talking, I'm like, what, is, what was it? I don't know. <laughs> Words are hard. Names are hard. They are. Names they of are. towns, names of people. 
We just do the best we can. Kim Tubbs, though, I got that. That was pretty. That one's pretty easy. Yeah. Pretty easy. Well, it's great to see you again. Great to talk to you. And you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, so I kind of came to intermittent fasting more than once, like a lot of people. A lot of people do. Yeah. So I struggled with my weight from a really, really young age. So I had done, there really isn't a diet that anybody has ever listed that I haven't done. I had a lot of trauma early in life. And I think, you know, probably my cortisol levels just started rising, rising, rising. Cause I really, I don't come from a family of like obese people. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily, you know, so much like a massively genetic thing as it is that, you know, number one, food was used as reward and soothing from early, early, early on. I mean, I can remember like our standard reward was to, you know, go to the original cookie factory at the mall, you know, and, you know, get a cookie and... Oh, I remember that. Cookie and a Diet Coke. Yeah, it does make such sense. (laughs) That was early in life that started. And so, I mean, I, I think my first diet that I remember going on, and they weren't even just diets like, you know, my mom cutting them out of good housekeeping. But I mean, like she was taking me to people. Like oh, we wow. would go, I mean, I remember us going to one doctor. We drove like almost an hour to this guy out in this little tiny town in South Texas and where they gave me patches that went behind my ear and released medication. I've tried to research that now to figure out what it was, but I haven't been able to successfully figure that out. But that didn't last for very long. But I did Fin Fin, and then later I did wow. Fin. And, and this is as a child. I, mean, I know, because you're younger yeah. than me, right? A little bit, yeah. A little bit younger. Yeah. So I remember Fin Fin, and that was a combination of Fintramine, which is still in the market, mm-hmm. and then Finfluramine, is that yep. what it's called? Mm-hmm. And, and the two together, people lost weight really quickly. Oh, and their hearts were damaged and, yeah. right? <laughs> permanently, some of them. Right. But, but I can remember I was a little too young, really, for that. But for you to have done it, I mean, because I was teaching, but it was like the early 90s and it was already like on the way out. So you must have been pretty young. I was little, young. I mean, I was yeah. a, a teenager. And here's the, the part that's really troubling to me is I look back. So as an adult, I'm 5'6". Never in childhood do I recall ever getting above about 170 pounds. So I mean, well, that could would be a lot on like a five-foot frame. It's not like I was like morbidly obese. Right. So the fact that they even went to these back then is really concerning <laughs> Yeah. as a medical professional, you know, looking at that. I can't believe someone would put a teenager on Fin Fin. Oh, yeah. Of course, I knowing mean, what we know now, no one should have been on it. But, but you know, I mean, did Weight Watchers and Nutrisystem and, oh, God, you just name them, I did them. Over the years, it was, you know, and God bless my mom. I mean, You know, some people could, you know, possibly blame her for taking me down this road, but I really think that she just, I mean, she wanted help, you know, and so she was doing them all with me, you know, and I'll jump later to me bringing her to intermittent fasting and what a massive difference that has made for her in her late 70s, but we'll get to that later. Spoiler alert. But, you know, you're, our moms really are all doing their best, right? Oh, no, and absolutely. all of us that are moms or dads, everybody's listening. You forgive your parents for a lot of things. Absolutely. <laughs> when you are a parent yourself, oh, you're like, absolutely. oh, wait a minute. My mom was younger than I am now. Right. And I, gosh, okay, I get it now, right? Right. Yeah. So, you know, went through all that and, you know – in high school, I dabbled with anorexia. I just kind of stopped eating and over-exercising, and that lasted for a while, and I did get down, but that's just not doable no. long-term, especially for someone who is 
so emotionally connected to food, you know, which honestly, anybody who tells you they're not, don't have an emotional reaction to food, those are very few and far between people. You know, I think you're right. You know, you're, you're a therapist, so you really know, you know, a lot more about, you know, counseling people, you talk to a lot of people, but you're right. All of us have emotions tied with food. And when we're feeling low, we all have that tendency. It's like hardwired into us. It is. And there's very, very, very few people who don't have it. My best friend is one of those. She doesn't like have she, it. She's not at all. And so she's had a very, I mean, she's incredibly supportive of me and my journey. And I mean, she'll be the first one waving the proud flag for me, you know, I'm, you know, proud of you. But food means nothing to her other than energy. Yeah. It's almost Chad. Chad is very similar to that. Like he does not emotionally eat. I think about that every time I hear you talk about him. I'm like, oh, yeah. he and Shannon are cut from the same cloth in that regard. Because I mean, yeah. she just doesn't. Mm, yeah, doesn't, doesn't emotionally. Matter. Yeah. No. I mean, she eats when she's hungry and she eats when she needs to. <laughs> that's Chad. <laughs> but that's not most people. So It's not. You're right. So, you know, over these years of, you know, doing all these different things and, you know, again, dabbled with eating disorder then and up and down, up and down. Nothing really ever worked. Then I ended up, after we got married, ended up pregnant, you know. I mean, we'd been married for four years. It didn't happen that, that fast. I mean, we had a baby four years in and really struggled at that time because I had lost weight. And then, of course, you put weight on when you get pregnant. And so that was really hard for me. So then I really went into more of a bulimia, not really, not really binging and purging, but I would just purge. So I made myself stop right after I found out I was pregnant because I'm like, I need nutrients in order to grow this baby. Like I understood that. But then the minute she was born, I went right back. So as soon as she was done, and of course I was nursing. I mean, I nursed her until she was almost two. And I knew that I, my body needed nutrients in order to be able to, you know, care for her. So when I got pregnant, I was probably about 140 pounds. So I'm right at 5'6". I was 140 pounds when I got pregnant. When she was born, I was like one, like right at 180, 178, 180, something like that. By the time she was eight weeks old, I was 116. Oh, 116? 116. Oh, wow. Because you really, you went into that cycle of... Well, because number one, I was breastfeeding. So everything was coming out of my body to her. And then number two, I literally was keeping virtually no food. So I had this horrible routine where I would, you know, eat something that I thought was super healthy for me, usually something, you know, with color, you know, not, I'm not giving anybody, you know, tips on, you know, how to do this is incredibly damaging. Bad for your body, bad for your esophagus. It's yeah. and bad, for, bad for your metabolism, Everything, bad yeah. for later in life. I actually ended up with esophageal tears. It was bad. Right. And a very weak descending aorta. So where you're, you have a, vow, a part of your heart that comes down that kind of is almost near your esophagus. And when you're constantly purging like that, it makes the wall of that very weak. And so I had yep. this constant, you know, mid-epigastric pain. Um, it was bad. But I would basically eat something healthy and then, you know, eat what everybody else was eating so that nobody would know that I was restricting. And then I would make myself purge until I saw yeah. the healthy piece. Just so that everybody knows, that's not actually how the gut works. Like, right. that's not how the belly works. So even my whole thinking around that was profoundly it was, it was distorted. Yeah. It was very yeah. distorted and very emotionally not in a good place. So I think a lot of people with eating disorders, you know, you talked about that you had a traumatic childhood. Yes. 
And so I think a lot of people end up with eating disorders. It's really not even about the food. It's about it has controlling, the, food. controlling yeah. the thing you can control. And the reason things got so much worse when she came into the world was I all of a sudden realized, oh my God, I have brought a baby girl into this world and I don't know how to keep her safe. Right. Like I don't know how to keep people from doing bad things to her. And so not that, you know, oh, I will purge and that will keep her safe. I mean, that was not my line of thinking. But again, it's this control piece yeah. and this just need to do something to control. Eating disorders, like you said, are not about the food. They're about the control. And so I wanted to, to just pop that out there just because Absolutely. a lot of people think fasting, oh, fasting is going to give you an eating disorder. It's not going to give you an eating disorder. And I will address that more in a little bit, but it's it probably healed my lifelong eating disorder more mm -hmm. than anything else I have ever done. But I'll me. get there yeah. in a minute. All right. But the way that I started purging is what I really want to share. So after I, this is before I got pregnant. So we had moved to Florida from Texas and I had gained post-marriage, you know, now I'm with the person I'm going to be with, right? And I mean, we moved to a state where we literally knew nobody. This was mm -hmm. before the internet. So, I mean, we literally rented an apartment without ever having seen it before. Oh, wow. Yeah. We ended up sort of in the ghetto. It was fabulous. <laughs> it was actually terrifying. And, you know, here we are there, never been away from anybody ever, you know. I mean, it was, it was frightening. And, of course, you know, I was a nurse. I was not a nurse practitioner yet at this time. And so I had to wait, you know, to get my license in Florida, which is the process. And I mean, it was, so I wasn't working and I was pretty much just in this apartment while my husband was working and I was eating is basically what it boiled down to. So I gained quite a bit of weight. So my mother, in her kindness, because this is what she's done my whole life, offers to get me a lifetime membership to Jenny Craig. Oh, thanks, Mom. Right. So she gets me the lifetime membership to Jenny Craig, which at the time was like $350. So this is like in the mid-90s, right? And which was a lot of money then. So, I mean, I was very honored that she was willing to do this for me. Well, Jenny Craig is prepackaged nasty food. It is not good food. It is not good. I only did it for one week. And I'm like, I can buy my own gross food at the grocery store. <laughs> so it was disgusting. And I would lose, you know, I would eat the nasty food and go in, you know, at the end of the week and I would be down four ounces. And I'm like, is that even anything, you know? Right. And, you know, I, I probably over an eight-week period of doing this lost maybe like four pounds, you know. It was horrible and I was miserable. Yeah. I mean, I was depressed. It was, it was gross. Well, then about that same time, we decided to go on birth control. I'd never been on oral contraceptives before. We went on birth control and I started vomiting just from the hormone change. I started noticing in my weekly weigh-ins I mean, my weight was dropping like crazy. Oh. And I'm like, oh, look at this. I can lose weight by vomiting and I don't have to eat this nasty food. And that's really kind of what started that. So I never actually binged. I just ate like a normal person. I yep. just purged it. Yeah. So, and then that led me into, you know, which is how I lost because I went from probably about 185 to the 145 that I was before Hannah, before I got pregnant. So anyway, had the baby, continued, you know, went right back into the eating disorder. And then, you know, one day we were, you know, in a, in a bathroom in a mall and, you know, I'm doing my purging thing. You know, I was good mom. So I would push her in the stroller into the corner of the, you know, handicapped bathroom so that she was facing away from me, 
you know, because right. that's what every good mother who's purging does. Yeah. Put her, turn her so she can't see you in the right. handicap bathroom. Right. Yeah. And so I stand up and I look around and she's leaning around the stroller watching me. Oh. And she was probably about 18 months old at that mm-hmm. point. And that was it. I was done. Yeah. I mean, like literally, I mean, I started crying and I'm like, I have to. And, and it's not like I wasn't having treatment all along. I mean, like I was seeing a psychiatrist. I was seeing a therapist. I'd, I mean, I actually at one point when she was probably about five months old, I was actually put into the hospital and fed with TPN, which is total parental nutrition, where they basically put nutrients back into your body because right. I was just losing weight so fast. I, I mean, I joined the YMCA and my body fat was so low. At this point, I was like 104 pounds and I'm Wow, that's there. Yeah. And my body fat was so low, they wouldn't let me exercise. So the only thing I was allowed to do was go in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So I mean, I was sick. I was very sick. Yeah, you were. You were. And I love that it just took knowing that, nope, this is not what I'm going to do for my daughter. I mean, what we will do for our kids is the most powerful motivator in the world. I love Chad, but what I would do for those kids. Well, it's, it's just, it's totally different. It's just in you. It's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would love to say that that changed my relationship with food right there. It did not. It just changed my behaviors. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's buyoptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. You know, it it changed. I no longer purged after that. So now I'm almost 50, right at 50. And to this day, if I have eaten too much, the thought of purging will go through my head. I mean, I haven't done it in years and years, but it's still there. It's a little bit like being an alcoholic, I think. Once you have had that sort of dopamine release, which is really what's happening, it's just hardwired, you know? And so... 
I shouldn't say to this day. Up until about a year and a half ago, I would still have those thoughts. I really but don't no more. anymore. Yeah. Partially because I'm never that full. But anyway. Well, that's good. So that was kind of my introduction, you know, to bulimia and that. So then over the next several years, you know, once I kind of got over that, my weight just started rising, 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 rising because I really had killed my metabolism because my body never knew when it was going to be starving, when it was going to get rid of food. Mm-hmm. So it just literally held on to everything. It's protective. It's Your body is trying to keep you alive. When you were 104, your body was not feeling good in that point. Your body knew. So it like slows your metabolism. Everything it does is to keep you alive. Right. And so when you regain the weight, it comes on very, very quickly. Right. So then fast forward to five years later, and I we, we went through some miscarriages, you know, trying to have the second one. And I got pregnant with twins and miscarried one of the twins. And so they put me on progesterone to keep the other one. And so I go through this pregnancy with my second one, have him, and he weighs 10 and a half pounds. At birth. <laughs> wow, that's a big boy. So immediately they're looking back trying to figure out, did you have gestational diabetes? Because this is huge. And my glucose tolerance test is fine. But they start watching my blood sugar after that. And again, this is early 2000s. And my blood sugar is borderline, right? So that's all they say, though. Borderline, 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 you know, all the time borderline. And and again, I'm not checking it that often. You know, every few years they check it. Oh, you're kind of borderline. We should probably watch it. But my my weight's rising, rising, rising. Now I understand that I had developed insulin resistance and people were just not looking at the right numbers. Had they been watching my insulin level? They would have seen that going up. We would have been able to treat this so far before I actually developed diabetes. So that was a super long answer to when did I start intermittent (laughs) fasting and why? And it was in 2017 when I was diagnosed with full-fledged diabetes. So my A1C came back at 9.7. You know, we really start saying that someone's diabetic. Everybody disagrees on on the amount, but sometimes we say 6.5. Sometimes we say 7. Some people say 6.2, but I was definitely way higher. Oh, yeah. 9.7 is a lot higher. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And we had just gotten home from Hawaii, and I had done multiple rounds of steroids leading up to this because I had some basically like compression fractures in my back, and I would get these pain and I was, in fact, I was in pain all the time. I mean, I would have times where, you know, I couldn't even go into clinic because I couldn't move. Like I couldn't, my brain couldn't tell my legs to walk because the pain was just so tremendous in my back. So we would do another round of steroids, which just anybody who's not done prednisone, that puts weight on you. Right. It increases appetite plus all the other things that steroids do to help your body gain the weight. Right. Exactly. And so it was really bad. So I went and saw a doctor a naturopathic physician who basically hands me the complete guide to intermittent fasting. And she says, I want you to start fasting. I got really angry at her for telling me to fast and I fired her right there on the spot. (laughs) Because in my mind, I'm like, I've had an eating disorder. I can't restrict or I'm going to go back into that spot. So I really just had such this emotional component of somebody telling me that I couldn't have anything after what I'd already been through. I mean, it was literally like being punched in the gut. I mean, I actually was to the point where I almost would rather die than not be able to eat what I want. I get that. It really was this culmination of being so mad at the entire universe for everything that had ever happened. And the fact that I'm here now and you're going to just, you're going to take food away from me? 
Yeah. Like, right. I just, I needed to blame something mm-hmm. or someone. And, and, and I, not me, right? Because it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's this darn naturopathic physician. <laughs> right. But the truth of the matter is, it really wasn't anybody's fault, including mine. Right. I mean, if I wanted to blame anybody, and I can say this as a medical professional, I might could have blamed the medical profession for not being able to identify this sooner and really taking me on a gentle pathway Mm -hmm. to figure out how to fix this. Right. So let me also add that through this entire time, I mean, prior to that, even being diagnosed with diabetes, probably about five years before that, I had been on pretty much every psychiatric medicine you can imagine to deal with depression and anxiety and literally nothing worked. I ended up developing what's called serotonin syndrome, mm-hmm. which is actually fairly rare, but it's when you have too much serotonin medicine on board and your nervous system shuts down. And I ended up in an ICU for several days. And at that point is what really led me into understanding the world of holistic psychiatry, which is why I have a holistic practice at this point. But this, I mean, this is like actually probably closer to 10 years before the intermittent fasting stuff. So at that point is where I had really, I had come off of all psychiatric meds and because I realized that none of them were actually helping my mental health at all. There was something else going on I really needed to work on. Anyway, so she tells me I need to intermittent fast. I don't want to intermittent fast. I've had a healthy diet for forever. So I mean, again, I'm not, was never one that was like, you know, a McDonald's, Taco Bell, you know, I mean, I've been eating organic since long before it was popular. So when my daughter was about six, she was diagnosed by an endocrinologist as having too much growth hormone. And he basically told me, so at six, she was measuring. So the way they do that is they do an x-ray of your hand and it looks at the bone size of your, your hand, the bone structure and the growth plates. And so she was aging out around age 10. Oh, wow. At six. And so he basically told me at that point, he's like, you can try switching her to all organic, get all hormones out of her, you know, milk and her everything else, or we can put her on medication. Well, I'm like, no, I don't want to put her on medicine. So we went organic. And let me tell you, so this was probably 2003-ish, 2004. It was hard back then. It was hard. That was when anybody who's read Cleanish has heard me talk about my son, Will, and that was the period of time when we realized his behavior was affected by chemicals in his environment and in his foods. So we had to clean up what we were eating, and you could not just go to the regular grocery store and find organic sour cream. I mean, people nowadays can't even believe that, but it's true. We had to drive over an hour to in Atlanta to get organic sour cream or organic milk. They did not have it at the regular grocery store. Yeah. Well, we lived in a suburb of Fort Worth at the time. And so we would have to drive the 45 minutes into Fort Worth in order to be able to get it. But we did it. And by the time we had her tested the next year, it had stopped. I mean, like we fixed it. I mean, like wow. she was back on track. So if I that's been- not a reason to have organic dairy, then I don't know what is. Organic dairy, organic meat. Yes. So I've been eating organic since the early 2000s is my point. So it's not like my diet had ever been, I mean, I've always been a fairly healthy, you know, I was vegetarian for a large portion of my life. In fact, my daughter is still vegetarian. So she was pretty much raised vegetarian. And I mean, and, you know, she's in her mid twenties now and still vegetarian. So, you know, I have no issues with vegetables, any of that. So I see this woman who tells me I need to do intermittent fasting and I need to be keto. Oh no. <laughs> And for anybody who's never seen the complete guide to intermittent fasting, that's also a Jason Fung book. So well, we don't- and 
Here's well, the thing about that. It's really it. Jimmy Moore. It is Jimmy know. Moore's, but Fung does a piece of it. He, yeah, he's he's on the cover. He's, right. he's a co-author, but really, it's more Jimmy Moore than anything else. Yeah. But it's not one that we see a lot of. We don't talk about it as much as we do obesity code and diabetes right. code. Because it's got some odd advice it in it. Does. I'm just going <laughs> to come right out and say it. it. <laughs> I didn't even buy it initially. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can do keto because at least I can still have some stuff, right? Because I don't know how to just completely get rid of everything. At least I can have cheese. So telling me I can't have cheese is like the end of the world to me. And I want to just put some historical context in there right now. You said this was 2017? Yeah. That was a period of time. That was when I wrote Feast Without Fear in response to (laughs) everyone saying – well, if you're going to do intermittent fasting, you also must be keto because that was a train of thought that was very embedded and it came out of the complete guide to fasting and people who read the obesity code and then thought, okay, everybody has to be keto. But when you read the obesity code, it is not recommending everyone go keto if you actually read the book. It it doesn't. But that's what people took away. And so, yeah, that was the period of time when it was like, got to do keto. Everyone must be keto. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. And so that's why I wrote Feast Without Fear. So what I ended up doing was not fasting, but going keto. And so I did that. I was about, at this point, about 196, okay, at the time of beginning keto. Beginning this, yeah. And I got down to about probably... I'm trying to remember, about like 158, 159. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I lost a fair amount, but I was absolutely beyond miserable and I mm-hmm. felt terrible. So, on a daily basis, I felt terrible. That was me with keto. I felt terrible. And for somebody who earlier you were vegetarian and you felt good vegetarian, you know, that really shows a lot about your body. So I'm doing the keto and I'm going to get my A1C checked and my A1Cs come down. So after, you know, about eight, nine months of keto, I've now got my A1C down to like 7.9. Right. I mean, that's better than the nine sure point, is, whatever yeah. it was to begin with. But my blood sugars are still super high, right? And I'm miserable. And so I'm finally like, just forget it. I'm, I'm literally kind of, and I'm, I mean, mind you, I'm a psychiatrist at this point, right? I mean, right. I'm, and I've been doing this for a long time and I'm working with people with eating disorders. and. I don't consider myself at this point to have an eating disorder because I don't really have the behaviors per se. Right. I mean, I'm not purging. I'm not binging. I'm not restricting. I'm not I'm, – I'm trying to do what they're telling me to do, right? So I'm trying to do the keto and I'm – and here's the deal. The ketogenic diet has been used for years in psychiatry. Right. It's actually an awesome way to control very powerful. disorders. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome way to control bipolar disorder. I mean, I have a lot of patients that we have do a primarily ketogenic diet, partially because the reason that it works is when you don't have blood sugar spikes, you don't end up on the mood roller coaster quite as much. But it never sat right with me that you can get enough nutrition this way. Like it just didn't sit right. You know, and so I mean, I have been on a nutritional journey for years and years and years. Like I mean, I've read, studied up one side and down the other. And so I really wasn't doing it. I would do it for a while and then I would quit. And then I'd do it for a while and I would quit. Well, this went on and on. And eventually my weight was right back where it was doing keto, but coming off of keto. So let me tell you this, if you're going to do keto, don't come off it because you can't sort of do keto or you will gain right. weight. Right. Because, because you're eating too, a lot of fat. It's too high fat. Yep. Yeah. It's true. You it's cannot true. do it. You can't. And I, I think a, a very important point that you made that the ketogenic diet, it has therapeutic benefits. Absolutely. It, 
absolutely. You know, I, people who have been listening to the podcast for years know that I went through a period of keto right before I did intermittent fasting, didn't lose any weight, but I think it made me fat adapted so that when I started intermittent fasting, I was already able to get into ketosis and it eased the adjustment period for me. But I didn't lose weight on keto and I didn't feel good on keto. It had a place, you know, through my journey. Let me share something there too. So I did, during the time of keto, I started testing my insulin. Okay. So on keto, my insulin was running somewhere between 28 and 32. Wow. Okay. So here's something that's interesting. We tend to think that only carbs raise your insulin. Your body only produces insulin in response to carbs and not in response to fat. But there's actually something called the insulin index that I uncovered when I, I mean, I didn't discover it, or, right. or, but I came across it when I was researching for Feast Without Fear. And some foods that are part of a ketogenic diet, a lot of protein, for example, causes your body to release a great deal of insulin. So my reason for sharing that is even eating a completely ketogenic diet with less than 20 grams of carbs daily Mm-hmm. I very rarely got into ketosis. Okay, because your insulin was so high. Yeah. So I was hungry all the time. All the time. Yeah. Well, if your insulin's too high and you can't tap into your fat stores, that makes sense. So, I mean, I would be full after I ate, but I, then I would be – I could have never done fasting with keto. I'll tell you that straight up. Not yeah. not at that point. It would have never worked because I couldn't go that long right. without it. So, basically, what I was doing is I was doing keto and I was pretty much doing keto, air quotes, from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. So, I mean, literally something's going in my mouth. Yeah. You know, a handful of nuts or, you know, a deviled egg or, you know, coffee with cream yeah. or because I had to have this constant fat or I felt terrible. That was me. That was me. I was always needing fuel coming in. Yep. That's how So it, how I would it was. have the weight loss and then I would come back up and nothing changing, right? Mm-hmm. But I would lose the weight and then I'd start coming back up. So now we get to March of 2020. Right. So we're at Disney That's World. That's a great time for everyone. Right. So we're in, at Disney World when the world shuts down. Right. Literally. Literally, we're at Disney World. And so we come home. And of course, my daughter's now home from college and her partner's home from college with us. And I mean, like, I have a house full of, you know, kids now because everybody's home and here we are. And I'm like, I am going to gain weight during this time. I just already know it. And I thought, you know, my practice is going to slow down. Oh my God, was I wrong? I thought that, you know, my practice was going to slow down. I actually became busier than I've ever been in my life and it hasn't slowed down since. But so I decided this is time for me to really get on top of this. And of course, I mean, I've read the diabetes code and the obesity code and all of that. And so I made the decision to do a long fast. I'm like, I am going to figure out how to get this insulin level down because I'm never going to be able to do this with a high insulin level. So I do not recommend doing a long fast without medical supervision. Granted, I kind of provide my own medical supervision. I mean, I can order labs and right. you know all, all of that. I'm, I know what I'm doing. Right. I did a seven-day fast, a seven-day water fast and felt absolutely amazing. So during this time, though, I'm listening to a variety of podcasts, primarily of medical professionals, listening to people who've done this, you know, and that's how I found you. So I actually ended up finding Cynthia Thurlow and she mentioned you. And then that's how I ended up eventually coming to you. 
so I had gotten into you know doing a daily fast, but it was not clean fast. Right. And changing to the clean fast was a one hundred percent game changer. Yeah. It really is. Everybody who's listening, it's you know, this comes out at the beginning of the year. If you've tried fasting before or if you're doing it now and you're not fasting clean, I promise you it matters. Even if you think it's not, if you think that cream in your coffee is getting you through the morning, it's not. It's making it harder. Oh no, without a doubt. Yeah. So I read slash listened to Fast Feast Repeat, then you know, shortly after that. And that's when we then I started clean fasting. You know, I had my mom doing, you know, the keto and that. I mean, she's basically doing everything I'm doing, whatever I'm doing, because she's also diabetic and has hypothyroidism and, you know, all of this stuff. Oh, the other thing that led me to do the long fast was my pain had gotten so severe at this ah. point, primarily in my hips, that I was just miserable. And I'm like, I've got to get the inflammation down. You know, my ANA was high, which, you know, basically indicates you have an autoimmune disease, but we could never figure out exactly which one. So I'm like, I just have to get the inflammation down. You know, all this time I'm still checking insulin, right? And I'm getting it down. I mean, it's da- down, now down at like 17, you know, something like that. For anybody who decides to, because, you know, you have to ask to have insulin done. You can actually order it on yourself from a couple of different websites. Walk-in labs is one of them. Yep. Right. Ulta Labs is another. If you do an insulin on yourself, the range that they're going to say is okay is 0 to 17. That is not true. You're right. You really, honestly, probably need to be below five. I think so, too. That's the number I always say. Optimal is below five. But here's the deal. You can't even just go by that. You have to go by what your blood sugar is also because that's going to give you your HOMA IR. So your HOMA IR is basically a, a calculation of your blood glucose and your insulin level. And together, that shows you what your insulin resistance is. And the fact of the matter is, If you have high blood sugar, you know, so it's like someone like me who is diabetic, I have to have a much lower insulin level or I am still insulin resistant. Yeah. So what that means is even though there are some people who can get insulin down, you know, people like you who are not diabetic and who can have a steady blood glucose of 70, you know, during the fast, you are fine with a little bit higher insulin level because your IR will still be fine. Someone like me who you know, has a body who, and and I hope that within, you know, a couple more years of maintenance that that will continue to come down, but my blood sugars will still go hot. I mean, high, high, if I Mm -hmm. eat something super carby. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about Zoe in a minute. That drastically changed my life too. Oh, I love that. You know, if I were to eat a piece of candy, you know, which I I don't do, but if I did, I mean, my blood sugar is still going to go up to 230 because I don't have a good, my cells still are not to the place where they can respond well. So for me, I need my insulin level to be even lower. So I actually didn't get to a really good place until, which I am there now, but to where my insulin level actually sits around four at this point. That's fabulous. And and that's the thing. People don't understand this. And, you know, for anyone who's hearing this and they've never heard of us talk or anyone talk about testing insulin before, because again, this is the beginning of the year. A lot of new people popping right in probably now, but you know, most people think of blood sugar and then insulin is just the stuff you inject if you have diabetes. <laughs> but we all have insulin. We all have insulin levels. And for anyone who's read Fast Feast Repeat, you know that if you have high levels of circulating insulin all the time, your body has a hard time tapping into fat for fuel. And so your doctor is probably not going to have tested your insulin. And if you say, can I get my insulin tested? They'll mean, didn't you mean A1C? 
because they don't even necessarily know. Or they won't even ask you. They'll just check your A1C, thinking right. that's what you mean. That's what I you mean, meant. I, I check A1C and in, in fasting insulin on every single patient I see in this practice. And what's funny is people are, are so confused. They'll be like, well, I tested I tested my insulin and it was normal. I'm like, like I'm like, what do you mean? And then they, it turns out they tested their blood sugar. Like people think testing your blood sugar is testing your insulin. They're like, and I'm like, it's not. You cannot check your insulin at home. There is no at home. I wish no. there was. That'd be awesome. But there, there will be someday. I do. Believe I hope that. so. I hope so because that would really be powerful, right there. But you know, you're, what your insulin levels are doing is like a leading indicator for what your A1C is going to do. Right. So if you'd have had your insulin level tested way back and you'd have known it was high back when your A1C was borderline, you could have focused on it then. So I think one of the things that I want to share with this point that I think is important for for people to know is that if you are highly insulin resistant, and you can know that, again, by having a glucose level and an insulin level done and then figuring out what your IR is. So basically, you want your HOMA IR there's diff- different people say different things, but to be less than 1.4, some people say less than two. Now, let me give you an example of that. So Jen, if your glucose is 80, mm-hmm. okay, and you have an insulin level of 12, which is normal, right? By that right. chart, that gives you an IR of 2.37. That's highly insulin resistant. Right. But you look good on paper. But you look good on paper because your blood glucose is 80. Right. Right. And your insulin is within a normal level. Normal, quote, normal. Yeah. So what we have to remember with labs, and I tell patients this all the time, is that they had to make the scale somewhere. And the way they make the scale is by looking at the average of people. And guess what? The average person is actually not healthy. Correct. Yep. So these scales that get printed on your lab core, your quest forms, you know, the ranges, they're not actually what's best. Mm-hmm. The range is usually much narrower than what's actually printed on yep. there. That's such a good point. You know, B12 is an excellent example. When you get order B12 on someone, which we check in psychiatry a lot because a low B12 can have massive impact on anxiety, the range will say anything from like 200 to 1,200, right? But then it'll say in parentheses, anything between 200 and 400 is a potentially neuropsychiatric danger zone, which basically means your chance, if you're under 400, your chance of having a psychiatric issue or a neurological issue goes up. Wow. But yet that's in the normal range. Right. And yet you'll get somebody with a 380 and they'll be like, oh, you're good. Right? Because not you're in range. Good. That's Actually, not good. you're not. Right. You need to be more like seven, 800. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to not suffer with severe anxiety. That's really important to know. So I think it's important for people to recognize that. But the other piece that I really wanted to say is if you're incredibly insulin resistant, when you talk about tweak it till it's easy. It is going to take longer to tweak it till you're easy. And I'm sorry, but that is just the way it is. You are going to fight hunger. And I'm going to tell you that with intermittent fasting for me, I fought hunger on a daily basis for almost a year before right. I had the insulin resistance cleared enough. And, and I'm talking clean fasting. fasting clean. Okay. So you, it took you a year clean. of fasting clean. Okay. Yeah. Close to a year. Not quite. Before I didn't feel that every day. Here's the deal. It's much like everybody else. It's doable. It's a wave. It comes and you ride it and you go over it. Right. But it's a little bit bigger wave for those of us who are insulin resistant. That's such a good point. And also, it's hard to lose weight until you get your insulin levels down. It absolutely is. But I will tell you that once I started clean fasting, 
I started, I was at, at 196. I'm still not to go. I'm not sure I'm done, but I'm also going through menopause. So oh, I think yeah. that that's playing Double a role. Me. Yeah. My original goal was 145 because that's what I had been before, you know, I got pregnant with my daughter and that seemed to be like a healthy range for me, but I passed that. <laughs> Right now, I'm sitting around 140. I think I'm going to go a little bit lower than that. I'm just curious to see what the next little bit shows. I mean, I started in a very tight 16, and I'm, you know, pretty much, you know, sizing is stupid because it depends on where you go. But, you know, I'm somewhere between a four and a six at Mm -hmm. this point, you know, and I feel great. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. That's amazing. Now, the next question you're going to ask is, what is you know my schedule? What does my plan look like? Right, right. So I did that one big fast that I was telling you about. And I just want to pop in here. Kim said this, but for everybody who's listening, we don't recommend fast above 72 hours unless you're under medical supervision because right. things can go really wrong. And also, I don't recommend longer fasts for weight loss. They're great for healing. Like a 72-hour no. fast has great healing benefits, but don't expect it's going to really be like your weight loss approach because our bodies do eventually slow down. Our metabolism slow down if we're over-restricting, and that does include fasting. You can well, you will gain it back. You yeah. will gain it back. I mean, yep. I did. Yep. I mean, again, the reason I did it was to get my in- the levels yep. down. Yeah. Yep. So since that time, I pretty much I would say nineteen five is kind of my nineteen five to twenty four. Yep, is probably my normal day at this point. So an eating window of around four to five hours. Yep, ends yep. up with a fast of about nineteen to twenty, give right. or take. I did do some alternate day fasting for a while. I was very afraid of it. Like, I just didn't like the idea of it. However, when I did it, I loved it. And I did it for a month to see if I could kind of break a stall. It did not break the stall for me. And I think that's partially because when I do longer fast, and this has to do with, you know, early life trauma, my cortisol goes high very quickly. So it's stressful for your body. It's It's stressful for my body. So Mm -hmm. I tell you what did happen though. After doing alternate day fasting for a month and going back to my 19, my 19, five, my 24, boom, I went down like another six pounds. I think that's really important (laughs) because a lot of people get scared of alternate daily fasting. First of all, it's, you know, like a 36 hour fast followed by 12 hour, you know, up day. And they're like, well, am I going to have to do this forever? Or if I go back to you know, like 19.5, am I going to gain all the weight back or whatever? No, 
you're not. No, Don't actually, be I lost again. That's, yeah. that's what. Yeah, that's what I wanted to emphasize. You didn't like start gaining a lot of weight after you you actually lost weight. So, so what I really do at this point in time, and I mean, we could say I'm in maintenance because I'm not actively trying to lose still. But I think I will. I don't. I don't think I'm. I'm just. I'm not watching it that closely anymore. <laughs> but is pretty much a, a 19.5 or a 24. But then I do a down day on on Wednesdays and an up day on Thursdays. And that okay. is purely because of my schedule with with clinic and my life. It's just easier to not eat on Wednesdays for me. Yep. Yep. That makes <laughs> I have sense. A yo- I have a yoga class on Wednesday nights that that we do and. I don't want to eat for that. And by the time it's done, too late. it's like 8.30 and it's yeah. too late. So I just don't. That makes eat. sense. Yeah. So you have one down day. That's a really good healing and fat burning day. And then Thursday is an up day where you have at least two meals and you're, that boosts your metabolic rate. And then the rest of the week. So you're doing a hybrid approach. Sort of. Yeah. And it's changed all over the place just kind of based on where I am when I'm on vacation, you know, that kind of stuff. So the cool other cool piece about it is – so my secretary is doing it too. So Love my it. secretary is like my right-hand man. And I have my mom doing it. So my mom has been doing this. My mom is still doing alternate day to this day because she loves it so much. Love so that. she actually, she has a schedule where, so she's in her you know mid to late 70s. She is completely off of all diabetic medicine, yes. all thyroid medicine. She's on no medicine. She just had wow. her labs done again about three weeks ago and they're perfect. She has literally nothing off in her body. See, this is the thing. If she never lost a pound... If, if oh, she's mom, lost eight inches off her weight. But if she ever yeah. lost a pound, to be off all of her meds in her upper 70s is remarkable. When I was in my 40s, before I did intermittent fasting, I wasn't on any medication when I went to get surgery, and, and no one could believe I wasn't on medication in my 40s. But someone in their 70s who's not on medication, she is a unicorn. Well, and here's the other cool part. So like I said, my secretary is doing it also. So my secretary had a a baby by the time this airs about a year and a half ago. And we have the baby here in the clinic with us every day. So we call her our emotional support baby. Some psychiatric offices have pets. We we have a baby. baby. (laughs) But my mom comes up twice a week and takes care of Isla. Like they go for walks and she's on the floor and all over the place. Like you would not know that she is the age she is. Like, I mean, she is rocking it. Eight inches around her waist. That is astonishing. Like, I mean, she looks fabulous. I mean, she had bilateral or both knees replaced. And I mean, she's walking every day. And I mean, she read Fast Feast Repeat. And I mean, she reads everything I give her and she's doing her thing. And yeah, amazing. Amazing. So yeah, she's healthy as healthy can be. My grandmother passed away younger than my mother was from diabetes. And so my grandmother's diabetes, when we moved her in with us, she lived with us as she died, was 600 was her blood glucose. Wow. Yeah. Because she was eating bags of Hershey Kisses. Oh my anyway. gosh. Yeah. So anyway, but she that was died. going to be your mom's path and your path. Yes. And she had dementia and my mm-hmm. mother is basically like, I'm not, this is not happening to me. So she's sharp. I mean, we have a, literally, she drives all over town. She, you know, helps us with all the younger kids in the family. And yeah, it's crazy. And amazing. So my secretary does it too. So basically what we did at the beginning of, was it the beginning of 2022? I think it was the beginning of 2022. We decided to do the Zoe project. And to anybody who's like, what in the world is Zoe? Go to jenstevens.com. Jen is G-I-N. Stevens is with a P-H. Jenstevens.com slash Zoe. And you can read more about it. I'm about to go through it again for a second time. I'm super excited. So we did Zoe. 
you know, wearing a glucose monitor is just so fabulous for me because that really helped me be able to see. And that changed my diet drastically because I still was doing more of a ketogenic style diet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was eating more carbs once I started intermittent fasting, but I was still doing a lot of keto because just doing a finger stick, I could see that things were still taking my, and I can feel it. I mean, I'm so in tune with my body. I can tell when my blood sugar has, has gone high. Number one, I get very tired and, you know, I can just feel it. So we did the Zoe project and both my secretary and I, that was game changing. We now, and again, we've all been super healthy eaters all along. Again, I have a holistic based practice. So we're very anti, you know, no high fructose corn syrup, no colors, no dyes, no, I mean, we're very organic. You're not into the ultra processed food. No, at all. And never have been. But with Zoe, what we started doing was we started taking the 30 different plant products a yeah. week challenge. And so we literally have a big board in our in our kitchen here in the, in the clinic where we keep track of Sarah's stuff, my stuff, and we do it for Isla, the baby. Love it. Oh, that's fun. Oh, she's going to be so healthy. So Isla's over a year old now and has never had anything processed in her entire life. Nothing wow. out of a, a box. And she gets at least 30 plant products a week. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. This child, so she's, let's see, she's almost 14 months. And has never even had a sniffle. Nothing. See, she's so healthy. She's, she's so eating. healthy. That's our food is our medicine. She's eating organic food. She's getting more nutrients that way. She's not. She's building a healthy gut microbiome. She's. Oh my gosh, I love it. Her immune system's working beautifully. Yeah, beautifully. So how, did, how did Zoe change? Other than that, you put in you know more than thirty plants a week. What else did that change so for you? So what I discovered. So I already knew that I had gut issues because I have a mutation called FUT two. So FUT two is a I don't know how to explain it quickly, but it basically it's a genetic mutation where I don't my gut I don't make a gut biome really. Oh. I mean, like I'm missing huge pieces of it. Like I just okay. genetically don't make it. So in order to have some of the the good bacteria to fight the bad bacteria, I have to supplement. I have to take okay. it in. So that just means that I do things like inulin. Like I, you know, I put inulin in my, mm -hmm. yeah. I do, but I, I do inulin in my coffee on my eating days. So like when I'm, when I'm you keep eating. it in your eating window, yeah, yeah. in my window. And then, of course, I just eat tons and tons and tons of plant products. I mean, and but beans were the big changer for me. So I hadn't had beans in years. And I'm pretty sure that I somehow own stock in Rancho Gordo at this point. I mean, I haven't actually seen the certificate yet, but I'm pretty sure I do. <laughs> They're the best beans in the world, if anybody's not sure what we're talking about. So we make from scratch on the cooktop pots of beans twice a week, two different types of beans every week. We feed them to the entire family, you know, to Isla, to everybody. And that has been a game changer. Also finding out which grains do not impact my blood sugar at all. So bulgur is fabulous for me. I had never had bulgur because, again, I've just been in this, you know, I can't have rice. I can't have wheat because yeah. of my diabetes. Bulgur, frika, beautiful for me. Quinoa, no good. See? Makes my blood sugar go high. And this is, again, this is the power of bioindividuality. Yes. And anyone who's heard me talk about this before, you know, we we have all heard of, you know, the glycemic index. And the glycemic index is founded on everyone is identical because here is your glycemic response to quinoa. This is what everyone will do. But that to me is like saying, well, if I take all women, put them together and find the average woman is 5'5", five, five, every woman is 5'5". Five, five. But we know you're not 5'5", five, five. 
you know, people are people are not all five five, just like everyone doesn't have the same response to quinoa. We're all right. different. So the other big change it made for me, and this is where the monitor really came in handy. Sweet potatoes spike my blood sugar. I love them, so I can have a little bit as long as I've like stacked them right. Like right. I need to make sure that I've had something like a leafy green first, and then I can have it, and it won't go so high. White potatoes don't bother me at all. Love that. You know yeah. from the yeah, and see, but that's the thing. The glycemic index would indicate that white potatoes are terrible for everybody. Here's the other interesting one. Pasta doesn't bother me. Wow. If it's whole wheat. Okay. So whole wheat pasta does not bother me. Rice sends me through the roof. Wow. I use bulgur instead of rice because it actually has a very similar texture. Mm-hmm. So Zoe was a game changer for me. So yeah. So we made it part of the practice. So, you know, from a clinical standpoint, I've had lots of my patients do Zoe. I love that so much. That it. makes me so happy. You know, someone asked me the other day in the Delay Don't Deny community, they're like, is Zoe just hype? I'm like, if I'm recommending something, I promise it's not hype. Right. <laughs> I think it's worth it because I am anti-hype. I am anti-doing things you don't need to do. So I've put a lot of patients on to intermittent fasting or introduced it to pretty much everybody, honestly, at this point. It impacts mood so drastically. There's actually a couple of new studies that have come out this year on hyperinsulinemia and depression and how getting insulin levels down can drastically impact it. There was a study done actually in like September. I actually don't know if it's published, published yet. I I saw a preprint, I think is what it was, where they looked at shift workers and basically how, you know, eating in a certain window drastically reduced depression over... When I'm looking at research, I'm not even looking so much at the weight loss right. as to what does it do to mental health. Yep. So I have someone that we're actually about to go before before an IRB. We're still pulling everything together. We're going to do a research study on doing it in adolescence because there's not a lot of children's studies. Okay. Basically to see, and of course with an adolescent, you know, because we don't recommend it in children, you have to do it differently. So I'm not recommending that at all. That is not what I'm saying at this point. But once we have the studies, we will be able to. Okay. I think that's very exciting. Well, I can't wait to have you back. Yeah. So that's going to be exciting, you know, to kind of look at and see, you know, what happens with with that, getting insulin levels down, you know, even in, you know, teenagers. and I love that. Um, that's so important. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff in the future, but yeah, intermittent fasting. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for you, Jen, because I love having people buy your book because it's, I don't mean this disrespectfully at all, but it feels lay to them. Like it feels well, more that's, that's not my, so my medical. Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I, I am a lay person. It feels right. like a lay person because I am a lay person and I'm a teacher. Well, you're a teacher and you're, and so, so you're very yep. good at teaching it. I wrote it from the – I mean, I know how to deliver content. I could teach you how to do anything. Right. <laughs> Ask Chad. He could tell you. That's my husband. I teach people how to do things. And so, you know, I can filter through all of the information scientifically and then teach you here's what – I feel from what I've I've researched and from what I've seen through people pr- in practice, this is what will get you to your best results. Notice I said your best results because we're right. all different. So we are almost out of time. And I hate that because I would love to keep going. But what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started in like one minute or less? I think that the most important thing is that this is not a diet, which you say all the time. It's timing, and it's going to be different for every person. So one person may find it super easy within the first couple of weeks, and if you're super insulin resistant, it may take a little bit longer. The amount of difference that it can make in the way you feel, even if you don't lose a pound, is tremendous. I no longer have any pain whatsoever. Wow. None. So 
that is a huge, huge piece as well. Read Fast, Feast, Repeat. That is super, super important and do it. The clean fast is absolutely the most important piece of it. Tweaking it till it's easy is the other important piece. You know, people ask me about supplements all the time. Take those in your eating window. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Well, Kim, this has been a fascinating discussion, and I'm so glad that you have healed all of your eating disorders and that intermittent fasting has finally given you the peace with food. And that's the thing that, you know, people really have a hard time understanding because the same is true for me. I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder. I wasn't you know, anorexic or bulimic, but I felt like my eating was very disordered because I was always dieting and intermittent fasting took that away from me. And so, you know, if, if you are diagnosed with an eating disorder, please work with your counselor as, as you're implementing intermittent fasting, but you, you know, you need to have that support system to make sure that you're doing it in a way that's healthy, but, you know, to keep from doing the disordered behaviors that you may have had before. But I can't wait to hear about your study. Yeah, me too. Promise me that you'll let me know and that you'll come back. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kim. All right. Take care. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.